Headstuff Studios in Dublin. Welcome to Motherfucklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Rocher. I'm Emer Duffy. And I'm Garrodine McAvoy. And the pair of you is you're welcome back after snaking off to another podcast. Yeah, we're famous now. So, yeah, yeah, we set our sights high and, you know, we got there. Yeah. You know, aim for the moon, but you'll still, you'll fall among the stars. Or <laughs> blind boy, which is, you know, among the same thing. Mm, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so how did it all go? Uh, it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. The two of us were like, shitting ourselves. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we were very nervous beforehand um, because it was quite a large audience. But once we got out there, it was the best. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the crowd size that we had. Like, I'd never been in the sugar club before. I didn't know what to expect because it was like the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday on Mother's Day. I was yeah. like, we're going to have like four people sitting at us. We'll hear crickets in the audience. Mm-hmm. And next thing, it just kind of came up and passing. I was like, oh, yeah, we're full tonight. And I was like, for what? <laughs> and it turns out we ended up chatting to 300 people yeah it was so about good about Irish um, words Irish words words from Ireland <laughs> <laughs> and of course mother folklore um, so it was it was super fun fantastic we're very appreciative for Blind Boy for allowing us come on his podcast and, and wreck it for two hours what we're actually doing is we're this is our formal month's notice to Darach we're actually <laughs> leaving um to you know, work work for all. Yeah, people. RT have commissioned us a series. Uh, Garretine and Emer living together. It's, it'll be wild. It'll be that would actually be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, have another look at your contract. I think you see. <laughs> but um, before we uh, move on to other topics, um, it's important. I think our listeners will ask. So I'm going to ask on behalf of our listeners: Is Blind Boy's plastic bag justified? We didn't see him without the plastic bag. He never takes it off. It's actually glued to his face. Never takes it yeah, off. He's be born with the, the plastic bag, I believe. He comes from a family of uh, plastic bag faces. Well, um, in fairness, we yeah. have to respect that tradition. Yeah, like it's not a choice. Yeah, And he wears it well, he does. He wears it well he with does, his lovely in fairness red hat. To him. The lovely mm-hmm. red hat. It's a very well-fitted bag, actually, yeah, I must say. It is, yeah. Um, it's actually, it's a, like alarmingly well-fitted. Yeah, it is, yeah. But, is um, it tailored? We like, can't say. <laughs> we did find that out. We can't say. <laughs> and is it a, is it a normal sort of plastic like, or is it a special kind no, of organic? No, it's genuinely just like a real old fashioned plastic bag that you would get in the shop yeah. until they put a seventy cent levy on them. I think I read somewhere that they they get them from a specific shop, um, so it's not like a Tesco bag. You never see them with like a big chain bag because they like to support local business. So oh. they get it from a particular. Shop. I'm actually not sure what the shop is, but like it's never a Tesco bag or a central bag. It's always like this particular shop. That yeah, they well, support. Tesco and them have gotten like real like sturdy plastic bags yeah, now. Whereas you might die if like, you put it on your face. Yeah. Ironically, it's not a bag for life, even though he always wears it. I feel like he might probably change the bag. It's yeah, not the same one every time. Like that's just really <laughs> unclean because can't put it through the washing machine. Like yeah. God, the thought, the thought. Yeah, maybe that's what we should do. Yeah, just put yeah. black bags on our face. I feel like yeah. it's been done. We might be yeah. accused of perhaps plagiarizing <laughs> for a blind boy and his yeah. cohorts. Oh. But no, it was super fun. Uh, we got some really good questions from the audience about the Irish language, um, about what we do, about, you know, podcasting. It was it was fun. Any, absolutely do it again. Yeah. Any particular questions strike your <laughs> any particular questions um, that There was up? actually the very last question that was asked. I'm still not able for it. Like yes, I, I know. It was just the most you had to look guys, you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you weren't, some of you, because <laughs> I asked the crowd how many people listen and you know, out of three hundred people, not all three hundred people put up their hands. Yeah. There was so. maybe four. 
<laughs> I think a lot of them were shy. I think that was ah, it. Yeah. I, I was in the bathrooms afterward and one lady was like, oh, I love your podcast. When the seats are close together, it's hard to raise your hand. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But um, anyway, the final question that we got... Yeah, the final question was um, this guy who came down the front. We had actually just finished up, but you could tell by him that he just, this was for him. He wanted to do it and he said he was really anxious about doing it, but he needed to ask the question. And effectively, it was on the lines of you, like all three of us were like, oh, I'm so sorry for boring you, but here's my life's work. And he was like, you shouldn't be apologizing. Like, why are you all apologizing? And honestly, I was taken aback by it. And like that, the night after it, I was just like, oh, that was such a, I should have thanked him more for just such a sweet question. So Yeah, because I didn't realize that that's what I was doing either. And it was only afterwards yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I was kind of like, I felt bad for being asked to come onto that podcast to talk about Irish, which is what I do. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, because, you know, last night you had like Bob Marley's keyboard player and now you've yeah. got me and I talk about like Celtic stuff. Yeah, but effectively we all apologised for existing for like two hours and then they were like, stop apologising for existing. But um, yeah. it was really fun. It was a really, the audience were great, um, really good. And right after it, I had five missed calls from my mom. My brother got engaged. So it was a very exciting day for me. Um, Super yeah. cute. I got yeah. like a panic text from Gardine afterwards being like, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, because you know when you get five missed calls from your mom, you're like, yeah. oh, what happened? <laughs> so I, the minute I went out, I rang home. And I thought the worst. I was like, what have I done? And then she was like, your brother got engaged. So, yeah, it was really exciting. Exciting day. I didn't sleep and for like two And Gardine's immediate it. response was two. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to Darren Rain, who've been together for 10 years. So. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely massive congratulations. Yes. But anyway, Derek, why are we here today? Today, what I was hoping we could share with our lovely listeners is maybe an introduction to maybe a little bit of older Irish. A lot of times say... People talk about maybe preserving Irish. Recently, someone was saying, oh, crack isn't really an Irish word. And Irish should be the way it's always been, you know. And, is, and no J's. And then, but the fact is, Irish, as we understand it, as we learn it in school, and even as it's been written in for over 100 years, hasn't always been that way. And I thought, given um, given we have, uh, given Emer is, is good enough to come in today, we might have a little chat about Irish, earlier forms of Irish. First off, I am good enough to come in today. It is lashing rain outside. Yes. Um, We'd like to point out that I was here for Storm Emma. Just saying. <laughs> but continue, Amy. Yes, your presence is valid. All right, I bailed out. Whatever. Fight me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first episode of Guardian and Amy living together. <laughs> um, so basically, I have um, been the most extra that I can be. And decided to specialise in, for all intents and purposes, geriatric Irish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I look at anything that happened between the 7th and the 9th century. Relevant. For context, yeah, it's yeah. the 21st century. Yeah. So, like, do the maths. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it it wasn't just old Irish transformed into 2018 Irish, modern Irish. There was phases and steps and transformations and changes um so what we have is early old irish is previous again to what i would study mm-hmm. then you have my little baby which is old irish then old irish transformed into middle irish middle irish transformed into classical modern irish then um, classical modern Irish, uh, so you're looking kind of maybe 13 to 1500. Um, and then up until about 1800, then you get modern Irish, which is what we have today. Kind of. 
This reminds me because when I was I did English in university, and I remember um, at the time that's not relevant. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> the, the tangent is that a, a lot of people found it very hard to accept, you know, that 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 Shakespeare is actually modern Irish, and we'd say that well, modern, modern English, Irish. modern English, <laughs> and that old Irish is something even previous to that. And people thought, well, surely if anyone's old old English, it's Shakespeare is, is old English. But then similarly, there are layers and layers and layers back, and there's similar layers of complexity in Irish too, and. Language, languages and ogres have a lot in common. They have layers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's only a good reference if you're Shrek of a certain joke. age. Like, there's yeah. a whole younger generation who have not seen those movies. Well, in fairness, if you're of a younger generation, you should not be listening to this podcast because <laughs> uh, we swear an awful lot. Let's be real. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I do. I look at the 7th to the 9th century. I look at anything that was written down then or anything that was written down afterwards. And um, it wrecks my head <laughs> and the island of saints and scholars and stuff reputation came from this particular period in Irish history when a huge amount of of learning, lo- learning was, yeah. was was stored during the actual kind of the collapse of order around Europe Western Europe yeah um, what we did actually um, was we told a little funny story um, on the Blind Boy podcast so if anybody has come here from the Blind Boy podcast you're unreal and I don't want to fight you anymore uh, <laughs> uh, but um, there is the Bible story about the Tower of Babel and as Blind Boy himself uh, referred to it as it was was a load of fiends that wanted to build up to heaven <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so basically a load of fiends and young ones decided that they wanted to build a pillar up to heaven mm-hmm. and then God was like oh my god these fiends and young ones are going to reach me how am I going to stop them so what he did was he made them all speak different languages so that they couldn't communicate with each other and then they couldn't build the tower because they couldn't communicate. And that is supposedly the sort of the origin of all of the different languages that we have in the world. Mm. Only, so the story goes, that then the best parts of every language were then picked and chosen and plucked and they created what is now the Irish language. Yay! Yay! So what we have there, um, that story is prime example. You know, um, Irish scholars at the time, they were reading biblical material, they were reading um, material from the continent, and they were transposing it into their own setting. They were making it relevant for themselves. And I know I, at the minute, I'm looking at the Annals of Ulster, which is just this ginormous historical log that starts in sort of the early 400s, and it's just a log of, you know... Darroch and John were fighting in the land of John and Darroch was slain and John stole all of Darroch's women and <laughs> then St. Bridget was born this year but four years later it's maybe St. Bridget was born this year but anyway um, that's what I'm looking at at the minute and what's really interesting to note is you've got all these localised uh, entries into this ginormous diary basically I mean there was one that was a cow and she had four calves that's that's one entry, but then fascinating. I know oh, this surely. is an RTE newsreel, like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then next thing, you know, a few years, few years later, you've got something to do with, you know, Greece, or you've got something to do with Rome. So it's still it's contextualizing Ireland within a wider European setting. Yes. So you've got all of this. Um, sort of learned literature going on. There was a huge kind of. Um, traveling with education um, going on as well at the time 
Um, so people like scholars from Ireland were traveling Europe. They were going to maybe the Carolingian Empire. They were learning there. They were writing what they learned. They were sharing information with other scholars. Um, so a lot of that then is reflected in some of the material that we have then surviving from Ireland, like case in point, the annals. Um, but other than that, then there's a lot of there's a lot of just good stuff that comes from Ireland. Just really, really good stuff. Um, I mean, a lot of the texts, I mean, people are going to be familiar, especially if they came through the Irish school system, you know, like Cucullet and Finn McCool and fighting and heroes and folklore and fairy tales. Yes. Um, you know, Tyrion and Og as well, for example. But if you look at these texts, they're amazing. Um, they're really on the ball in terms of, you know, what's going on in society and what's going on maybe with law or like some of them are just really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like that, they're all localized in Ireland. So you've got um, Din Hanukkah is the naming of places. It's the lore of places is what mm-hmm. it, um, it translates as. So you've got stories that are written in Ireland about places in this country. And that's how they got their name. So Emer. In ancient Ireland, it's a well-known fact that like women had more autonomy than they had now, and women have like better power. And it was really actually a, like a, a society based on women's rule. Discuss. This feels like a Leavenser question. <laughs> um, also, Guardian, who told you that? Because you should fight them. Um, I just knew that it would upset you, so I thought I wanted to poke the bear a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we all know back in the in, in old Ireland when the mists were parting and there was women walking around in their flowing robes and they were yeah. left un, unbothered by fellas. They had like a squirrel sitting on one shoulder and maybe, you know, like Oh, and there was fairy music in the background and yeah. there was butterflies everywhere. Yeah, hanging around Stonehenge. It was, oh, it was oh, yeah, everything, Stonehenge, definitely. It was everything Disney's Brave could have been but wasn't. That's what, that's what old Ireland was. So, yes, Emer, tell us all about how great women were back then. I mean, I don't think I have enough time to fit all of this into <laughs> one podcast, but um, absolutely not. I know Gardine mentioned the idea of kind of autonomy to an extent. I mean, that now in 2018 in Ireland, you're looking a lot towards like bodily autonomy with repeal the eighth. And there are references to abortion within early Irish texts. I mean, obviously, the like the biggest one is St. Bridget. Uh, but another one which is really cool is Cuchulain's mother. Um, oh, yes. So basically, Cuchulain was supposedly conceived three times. What? Um, yeah, exactly. Everything good comes in three. Every Well, everything comes in threes in early Ireland. Um, so the idea that he was conceived three times is like, this guy is going to be a hero. Um, but when his mother was pregnant with him, she... Um, is the word like to self not to self inflict but she self administered an abortion mm-hmm. so he uh he was he was no more but then he came again this was described in i know in the in the Kinsella translation of the ton they actually they mentioned this particular process yes the actual text that it came from is a text compert concolon which is the conception of cucolon is what it's is what it's called so it deals with the three instances in where cucolon is conceived and then eventually we get one singular Cúchulain at the end. So other than that, I think the main reason why people think that women had like so much power and they were amazing and they were strong and they were cool and everything else is because they see like marriage law and divorce law 
and they see like all these wide instances of like, oh, you can have this kind of marriage and this kind of marriage. And if your husband abducts you, it's this marriage and or union rather, I should say. And if he has more money than you, it's this union. And if you have equal money, it's this union. And if you have more money or whatever. Um, and then you've got divorce law, which is amazing. And two of probably the most famous examples are um, you can get divorced if your husband puts on too much weight. Mm-hmm. or if your husband breath smells. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think people look at that and they're like, wow, women can do that. But in reality, women only exist in these law texts because it's validated by a, a male existence. I suppose that's probably indicative of like how chronic things are for women now that they're like, oh, they could divorce their husbands. Hadn't they had it great? Wasn't it great altogether? Wasn't it brilliant? <laughs> oh, look, they could like get you could a divorce. divorce your gross husband who abducted you. Yeah, sure. They had yeah. it fantastic. Who mm. abducted you, uh, got really fat and his breath stank. <laughs> oh, he what like a lucky lady. <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> so, um, yes, there's a lot of, a lot of that that goes on in early Ireland, but when you look at women being like supposedly strong and independent, it's usually because it's validated by by a male existence, we shall say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's also true that in Breton law, almost all crimes or misdeeds could be settled through payment as opposed to the other kind of punishments and thrashings and stuff that people would got for crimes. Yes, it was a very value-based society mm. um, so everything had a value like Gardine would have had a value and I would have had a value I'd I had like, no value guys I'd like to think that I would be worth more cows than Gardine, but I'm not going <laughs> to make any I'm assumptions here one day. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas Derek would be worth the most cows of all um, because <laughs> sorry <laughs> why no I want to contest this <laughs> not that you're not valued Derek mm-hmm. but I just want to know why you're more ca- obviously more cows I mean this Validate that. Eva. I mean, first of all, it's because mm. he's a man, so he's okay, going to be worth sorry, more cows, yeah. um, or maybe more slaves. Fergus Kelly actually has a breakdown of the of the pricings for different kinds of people. So yes, of, and, and uh, it's honor price. It's honor price. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so you would be worth maybe cows, or you'd be worth maybe slaves, or you'd be worth you'd be worth something material. Is what you'd be worth. So we could take Darach as maybe like the ordre of the podcast. He'd be the high king of motherfucker. Right, so he's worth a few. So right, like I'd he'd say. be worth the most. Yeah, he could be worth all of us lowly motherfuckers. Worth like one cow, and then maybe I'm worth a pig or something. I don't know. Pigs are cute though. Mm. Pigs I'm are okay cute. With that. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was a very. Um, it was just a super patriarchal society. I mean, anyone that was educated. You know, you got to be a man to be educated. You got to be yeah. a man to be, travel with your education and all this. So the one thing I like to look at is the fact that anything that we have written down, mm-hmm. so anything that survives from the time period in question, it survives because it's been written down. I mean, you know, there wasn't any cameras, or there wasn't any podcasts, or there wasn't any telly or movies or anything to record any of this bar one young fella and a book. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm going to call all scribes young fellas now. Um, well, they, they were. They were generally 15 or so. And So anything that I look at then is I look at the fact that what we have surviving has come from a male hand and has come from a religious setting. Okay. So I like to look at the fact that, you know, writing surrounding women would be 
coming A from a man and B from a man in a church. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is like what kind of spin is he putting on this? Is he putting on any spin? Because we don't know the exact function of a scribe yet. We don't know the function of young fella. Yeah. I'm just going to call him young fella because we don't know if he was a scribe, if he was a copier, if he was an editor, if he was an author, you know, if he was making these things up from scratch or whatever. I'm just so. going to butt in here with something because I've been reading. I've been doing some research quietly in the back. And uh, the uh, Supreme King, that'd be you, Derek, that'd be Dara. presumably. Um, if you're wounded in the cheek, you obviously here get the worth of a milk cow in silver. Uh-huh. Uh, the cow herself, it says, clearly won't suffice. I don't know why that's clearly, but clearly <laughs> the cow itself won't suffice. It has to be the silver. Well, mm. if Darok had a blemish to his face, he would then be imperfect and could no longer be king. So he needs the compensation for that, Josh. Yeah, okay. so if we need to take over the podcast, we need to give him an old dig to the face. Oh, great. I mean, a black eye might do, but I don't want to chance it. I'll get you on the way out. We'll push you down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Emer, there's some interesting honor pricings you might want to share to give you the idea of the different sorts of value people have. And just for those of you at home, an honor price was was a unit to explain the the compensation someone was entitled to if they were in a dispute, legal dispute. Yes. So, um, first of all, your honor price is based on your rank. So, Derek, you are. The Supreme King, you are the Ordre because you run this ship. <laughs> um, I would like to think that the Over King or the Rethua, mm-hmm. so you would rule over a few petty kingdoms, would be Brian because he rules over all of our petty messes. <laughs> uh, let's be real. <laughs> um, and then the King of a single petty kingdom. Who would the singular That has to be Pather. 100%. That's because he's the only other lad in the show, though, isn't he? <laughs> You know? Yeah, internalized yeah. misogyny there showing yeah. through. Um, Still, I feel like it does fit him. Like, can we just make him a little surf instead? <laughs> <laughs> Patter, oh my god, don't listen to this. Um, so you have all these kind of these mm-hmm. layers and levels right down to you know your slave, um, and then these would then mm-hmm. translate economically to uh, maybe a bullock or a heifer or a two-year-old heifer. Um, an in-calf cow. Fab, you're mm-hmm. getting two for the price of one. There. I know, That's fantastic. Yeah. Although, what about that cow that had four calves? Wouldn't you love to be worth one of them? Uh-huh. Recorded in the annals. Which cow? Oh, yes, the cow of Merlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't you get some shock yeah, if you got, you, would, you know, yeah, yeah. five cows instead? Yeah, you'd be winning. You would. I feel like yeah. if that, that happened, like we did mention earlier about, like it sounded like from RT, like Sean McAtee, he would 100% report on that and it would be fantastic. It he, would win a journalism Oh my award. God, yeah. He'd be getting that, you know, armed response convoy down he to wherever. He is a treasure and we should protect just, him. I know, his Instagram is something else. And on the lighter anyway. side of the news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um why are we still talking about this? This is a language podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're done. You're done. Shut it down there. Shut it down. Okay. Yeah. Um, Imer, tell us a bit more about Old Irish. Okay. Um. So the Old Irish language that we have, the alphabet, some people will know, would be a little, little bit different. Oh. Um. It's that real, like, fancy lettering that you see on, like, shop fronts and stuff. You know, the kind of places that'll sell you, like, cladder rings. Mm. Oh. Yeah, except what they have done is they have bastardized it. Oh. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so let's say the letters R and S would be um, easily confused between the old Irish alphabet and the current Irish alphabet. Yes. Like the letter G was somewhat similar. And then some letters just didn't exist at all. 
And then I suppose the coolest thing or the least cool if you're studying it um, about Old Irish is it's so heavily inflected. Okay. So you look at the modern Irish language and sometimes you got a H in there and sometimes you got an I towards the end and it's very minor. Whereas then if you're looking at something in Old Irish, my God. So you've got like the nominative form, okay. which would be the regular plain old as you'd find it in the dictionary form. Yeah. Um, then you've got the genitive form. We all know the Tishulgunaduk. Then you would have what I would call the prepositional form. Other people would call it the dative case. Um, so that's if you've got a little preposition in front. Then you've got an accusative case. You've got a vocative case. So if I was to say, oh, Darach. Yeah. Or that would be the vocative case because mm. I'm addressing you. Then you've got all those again in plural. Mm-hmm. So. Um, a lot like Latin then. Very like Latin. If any of you uh, listeners are sad enough to learn Latin, uh, I'm very so sorry. So just you, Derek. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> just you. Oh, no. Um, so. But then the verbs um, are still the same. They inflect much like um, modern Irish verbs would inflect. Granted, similar endings, but you still have the I, you, he, she, we, ye, they. Um, your endings kind of get plugged onto your root and then. Then what goes really mad is um, if you have like Karim is I love. So Karim Brian. I love Brian. Um, now, because this is um, a specific type of verb, the first person in the negative will still say the same. So ni Karim Darach. I don't love Darach. But if you were to say like you plural, that's when the mad stuff goes on. Because let's say all of our listeners also love Brian. They so they, I I bet they do. Um so that would be Carthe Brian. But if they don't love Darach, and I'm telling you listeners that you don't love Darach. <laughs> see this is it. This is like mm. I'm all I'm messing with their heads now. I just want to take <laughs> over this podcast. Um I would say Ni Karid Darach. You do not love Darach, but you love Brian. Mm. Yeah. Because Brian Brian gets this podcast every week. Derek just sits there. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got um so you've got these levels of like changes and transformation in the language. And then what really melts your head is spelling just wasn't a thing. Yes. Oh my god, you I know. love this society. Let me live there in my dyslexic form. Let me <laughs> go there and exist peacefully. <laughs> so spelling wasn't really a thing when you're looking at an early Irish manuscript. We've got like a formalized version of what we would learn, but I mean if there's only a vowel in the difference, it could be throwing your meaning off wildly. Mm-hmm. So you have to look. Is it like, oh, do I love Brian? Do I not love Derek? Could this be a whole other verb entirely? Maybe I'm not dealing if with love at all. If a person was going to use maybe a, a modern verb in using an old Irish form, can you give us an example of that? Oh, this is my favourite. You can like back engineer, like reverse engineer verbs into old Irish. So let's say if you wanted to Google something... Go on. Mm-hmm. When was Google invented, do we know? Not in the 7th century, anyway. No, I'd say it was a li- I think it might have been a tidbit later than that. Uh, uh, sometime around like the yeah. 11th, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. So, yeah. But mm-hmm. if you were way back in the 7th century and you wanted to find out the spelling yeah. of a verb because, you know, your man next to you was writing it down and he didn't know because he was crap at spelling, you would be able to Google Igather. Google Igather. Verb. Mm-hmm. Which is adorable. I think yeah. it sounds like a cartoon character in an adorable children's television show. Google it there. 
Oh, look, look at there, it's coming, run. That's <laughs> <laughs> adorable. Mm. Why would you be running from Google either? I he's feel like you knowledge. like the adorable villain who like is adorable and has a heart of gold, but they're all scared of him. But misunderstood villain. Google Ligeter must be a friend of Miggledy Higgins. <laughs> Miggledy Higgins. Oh, I did get I did get a good laugh out of Miggledy Higgins. <laughs> Isn't yeah. he the most Miggledy Higginsy? you've ever seen in your life. Doesn't yeah. he just look like if he epitomises Miggledy here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we wrap up, do you have an old Irish word you'd like to share with us? <gasps> yes. Oh, my favourite one is the word Ingen. Because oh. it means fingernail and girl. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't that amazing? So, it's two different words just spelled the same. That's fantastic. That's like finger and mare in, in a modern Irish. I know. So what happens is when you are inflecting this, so when you're putting it in like your genitive or your prepositional um, or your accusative, they turn into two different words. But just looking at them in the dictionary, they're the same word. Mm-hmm. Fingernail and girl. Ingen and, and Ingen. So that might be the, maybe we have a word for on fleek in Irish now. I feel like by the time we come to a conclusion on, on fleek, People will have stopped saying on fleek. <laughs> Probably. I think people stopped a long yeah, time ago. They stopped well, when I brought I study ancient things. So Very well. Yeah. Anywho, we will definitely be revisiting this topic again because we barely scratched the surface with our ingots here. Yeah. Because hey. hey. we're ingots. Funny because I'm girls and you I, I'm uh, girls. I'm girls. <laughs> I I don't even know my singular for my plural now. This is it. Um good joke, Dark. Never mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> Around a pun. In the meantime, it's a slant for me. It's a slant for me. And a slant for me. See you next time. Hey, don't run off just yet. Before we go, I just wanted to thank a few people and tell you some of the stuff that we have going on. First of all, I want to thank Chris and Shield for doing the artwork. Um, you, if you liked the artwork for our episode Catch 40.3.3 we will have badges made of that coming up soon I want to thank Brian for yet again producing the show you don't know how much stuff gets left on the floor you have no idea but that's where we are and some of you have been asking where are some of our regular show contributors like Patter and Shuan they are coming back You know, they haven't gone away and all the gang, all the regulars will be coming up in future episodes Next week, we're having a compound episode, which I'm very much looking forward to presenting to you. So obviously stay tuned for that. You can contact the show at motherfolklore at headstuff.org if you enjoy sending emails or on the Motherfolklore Twitter account. And you can rate us and review us on iTunes and similar podcast hosting platforms. We do love to hear from you. And we are having another mailbag episode coming soon. We've had some great comments and very interesting points and obviously if we ever do anything wrong we do like to correct it and go on record as correcting it we do respect the facts here head stuff who produce motherfucker who present motherfucker to you have some other great shows one of the topical shows they have that's brand new that might be of interest to some of our listeners just called the eighth presented by kira o'connor discussing the upcoming referendum on the eighth amendment it'll be quite it should be a promises to be a very interesting show and i'm sure some of you would like to go ahead and subscribe to it Motherfucker comes out every Friday in the Headstuff Podcast Network. And my book, Motherfucker Dispatches from a Not-So-Dead Language, will be coming out in paperback soon. There's still hard copies available in on Shuppel Hour and Harcourt Street and many other bookshops around town. If you live in London, I will be at the London Irish Centre on April the 19th in conversation with author Sam Blake 
about motherfucker for the book the podcast the phenomenon and most of all the people who made it happen you guys we're also going to be having some other live events closer to home home being dublin <laughs> but also home being galway i'll be at the courage literature festival in galway on the 26th of april you can find more information about that on their website there are still tickets available so hopefully i look forward to seeing you there until the next time slang this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Where is the male slave? A mug is a male slave. It's about the bottom of the re- of the real people, but yeah, the animals. But it real people. <laughs> what? <laughs>